That's pretty cool. Get you pumped up. Man, I, I tell you what, I had something happen today in a first service that I've never, ever had happen before. Um, I uh, was in the tunnel. I was about ready to come out. They're finishing that last song. And I, did, I wasn't sure if we had a bumper because, you know, we started a new series. And we just said, you know, with VBS and everything, hadn't communicated about it. And I go to, to uh, my mic and I turn it on and the light doesn't come on. I'm like shaking it, and I open it up, and there's no batteries in the battery pack. <laughs> now, being in, in, in church and working here for a long time, you learn where everything is, right? So I know that this is one of the only mics that takes doubles, double A's. Everything back there is like 9-volt, okay? And so there's not very many double A's, and so I go back there, and I don't waste any time looking for batteries back there, because I know the only batteries are in the church office. So I literally run back here while uh, Alan was praying and I go out the metal doors, which you don't really do because they're so loud. They go, you know, and I, I did that. I ran in my office. Everybody out in the lobby is like, what is he doing? What's wrong? You know, I go in there. I grab two batteries. I'm trying to put the batteries in while I'm running back in. And I, I get backstage. And then the bumper video comes on. This training ground. I'm like, oh, good. I've got 15 seconds now. You know, it's like, get this back in there, seven. So I grab my stuff. And then as I'm trying to come out, here comes a guitar player. Here comes a bass player. Here comes a piano player. Here comes another. I'm like, I need to get out on stage. So, anyway. It was crazy. I've never had that happen before. But I thought it was really kind of appropriate, you know, in, the, in starting this series today called Training Ground, because I felt like I had some training, you know, this morning, you know. First half of the sermon, I was out of breath, you know, trying to, trying to preach up here. But uh, no, I want to start out this morning by just saying thank you again to everybody that volunteered uh, for Vacation Bible School. We had 338 kids came to Vacation Bible School uh, this week. We had, like Corey said, over 180 uh, volunteers. Great, great week. Uh, got to connect with so many kids and their families and uh, just uh, appreciate it. And if you're here this morning as a guest of ours, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And if you don't have a church home, well, we hope that you'll find a home right here at Oakland. You know, it's, it's that time of year. Can you feel it? Yeah, school's about to start, isn't it? And some people, yeah, some people are cheering like, amen on that. School is about to start and some people are sad about that. I saw some teachers weeping in the lobby between <laughs> services. I didn't know what that was all about. But, you know, it's just that time of year. And, and what's been interesting to me is uh, I, I watched this much ESPN the last three weeks, I promise. But in this much ESPN, I see everything scrolling on ESPN is about training camp. Have you, have, you, have you seen this? NFL teams are back in training camp. There's a lot that goes on in training camp. And we've already got some injuries. You know, guys practice for an hour and they pull the hammy. They can't practice for... Till the regular season starts, which I'm like, really? But okay. Um, and then there's some people that, you know, they're only getting paid $7.5 million this season. They really need $10 million to make it work, you know. Uh, one, one player I saw on ESPN, got a new contract or something, was making $16 million this season. That's a million dollars a game. I'm like, all right, you know. But, you know, it's like never enough money. They're working all this stuff. But what are they doing right now is they're actually in training camps. All over the country, a lot of them do it on, on college campuses, on college fields. Like the guys stay in the dorms, you know, a lot of them it's like, you know, going back old school for these professional athletes. But what they're doing is they're training themselves, getting ready for the regular season. And it's all about preparation, right? Because they want to prepare themselves, and they do this through this intense training thing uh, called training camp. The, the training ground for, for this area of football is, is that they're trying to prepare for the upcoming season, and they're going to get their skill development on. They're going to get their fitness on. They're going to be doing workouts, and they're going to be looking at playbooks, and they're going to have their coaches there telling them what to do. And it's all about preparation, 
And it's about them, them hustling and them striving to achieve a certain end result for their team. And for the football teams, you know what that is. Why do they train so hard? Why would they sacrifice? Why would they be out there in the heat sometimes two or three times a day? Anybody here ever experienced two-a-days? You know, you know what I'm talking about then, okay? Two-a-days, I mean, it's, it's horrible, you know, to have two practices like that in a day. And, and they're out in the grueling heat and, and doing all this stuff. And they're making these sacrifices, and they're really working hard. And it's because they are intense on their mission. And their mission, you know, for some teams, it's, hey, Let's win more games than last year, you know. Let's be honest. But really, what's everybody's mission in the back of their mind? Is they want to win a championship. And when they come into training camp and they start all the sacrifices, they get all the money worked out with the team, they get all of their things worked out, they are about the mission, which is to get better and win a championship. And all of training camp, everything that they do for fitness, everything that they eat or drink, their nutrition, and everything is honing themselves in on this goal and making themselves better. You see, it's all about preparation and progression. They're going to prepare to achieve this end result. That's why they train so hard. That's why they sacrifice. That's why these teams come together so early to pursue this goal. It's about advancing the ball down the field. It's about accomplishing more than we did before. And I see this dedication and even some sacrifice in these athletes with these sports teams. And I think, how much more should we as Christians be dedicated and be sacrificing to accomplish God's game plan and mission, which is to seek and save those who are lost, for us to fill heaven with lost people that find that saving relationship with Jesus Christ, to bring them in and introduce them to our Savior and Lord. This will be our mission as a church. This will always be our mission as Christians and has been since Jesus died and rose again. But how are we preparing for it? How are we preparing for it? I want to talk about that this morning and be challenged through the Word. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you didn't bring your Bible, just grab the one that's right there uh, in front of you in your seat there. Turn it to page 992, and you'll be right there, 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't know, you haven't been with us, you can always download our app on your phone. Um, you can do that on your tablet. Uh, it's in Google Play Store and the App Store. Just search Oakwood Enid, um, and you can get on there and look at the sermon notes, the outlines, the scriptures. Everything's right there for you. Uh, I know when I follow along with sermons when I'm here, when one of the other uh, preachers is preaching, then that's the way I like to follow along with the sermon. And You can even take notes and highlight in it. It's pretty cool. So, 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 6. I'm just going to read the whole uh, the whole uh, pericope together. Uh, that's a fancy word for a section of Scripture. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, but we're going to read this whole piece together, and then I'm going to kind of work back through it and talk about a, a few things that need to be pointed um, out to us this morning. This is what it says. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. 
We start there in verse 6. And it says, if you put these things before the brothers, that word brothers in the Greek is a word adelphoi. And what it means is like siblings of a family. So sometimes I think we read brothers in Scripture and we think, oh, this is for the, the men that are in the church family. No, this is for all of the siblings in the church family, brothers and sisters alike. And it says, if you put these things before the brothers, and he's been talking in this letter, uh, just in chapter 3, he was talking about the qualifications for being an elder or a deacon in the church. And so he's kind of summarizing here and saying, hey, we're putting all these things before the brothers, all these standards that, that God wants us to live to, all this challenge of accepting his grace and who we become in Christ Jesus through sanctification. So putting all these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, and then you're going to do what? Right there is the key word. It says that we are being trained in the words of faith. That's the words of scripture. And of good doctrine. Doctrine means like a set of beliefs. And so we're being trained in the words of scripture, in the words of faith, and a good, sound set of beliefs that you have followed. Because you followed that in the watery grave of baptism. You followed that when you gave your life to Christ Jesus. And verse 7 says, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. I, I call those theological tangents. Don't get led astray by this little teaching over here that really has nothing to do with Scripture or it's got about this much Scripture and about this much human wisdom behind it. You know, don't get caught up in silly myths and don't get caught up in these debates about, you know, the exact moment of Christ's return when Scripture says that no one knows, but yet we got these people, oh, it's going to be next week when the red moon glows and, you know, all this stuff. Don't get caught up in all those silly things. Stay focused on what? What it says in verse 6, the words of faith. And the good doctrine, stay focused on those things. And then it says after that, it says, rather train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, and it is, we're, we're called to, to take care of our bodies before life. It says, while that is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And he says, the saying is trustworthy and is deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we what? We toil and we strive because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Now, when you read the end of that, it, it kind of seems confusing a little bit. It says, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe? It almost sounds like there's some universalism in there, right? But we know if we read Scripture, that in many other places it says that you have to believe and be a follower of Jesus Christ to be saved. And so uh, this really isn't uh, one of those passages that contradicts or something. It's just saying that, that Jesus is the Savior of all people, and I would say particularly those who believe. He's offered salvation to all people, but we have to accept Him. You know, it's, uh, the point here is not that Jesus saves everyone, universalism. It, it's just saying that Jesus saves uh, the believers even more, it's saying here that Jesus is the Savior of all, all who would believe. And that might be a better rendering of that verse. But I want you to pay attention to all the action words in this passage, beginning with verse 6 all the way through verse, verse 10. It says that in Christ Jesus we are being trained, that we have followed. It says then to train yourself. It says hold to the promise, trustworthy, full acceptance, that we will toil and we will strive, especially to those of us who are believers. This is our call in Christ Jesus, that we would toil and strive. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this and maybe be a highlight or maybe at a football practice or a game, but have you ever seen it when a football coach grabs a, grabs a player by the helmet, by the face mask, and kind of pulls them in to talk to him? 
I mean, sometimes if you're a coach and you're pretty fired up about something, that's just the only way to get their attention and maybe get them face-to-face. And I don't know if you've ever seen that, but they grab that face mask, they kind of pull them in, they talk to them. I like to think that maybe that's kind of what's happening to us this morning. This, this is our awakening here as we enter into our training ground, is that God's trying to get a hold of our face mask and pull us in a little bit and say, listen, listen, you call yourself a Christian, then you've got to be dedicated to this. These people do this for a game. We do this for eternal life. These people are trying to win a championship. We're trying to fill heaven with lost souls. Getting grabbed by the face mask and getting brought in this morning says, live a life of godliness. Be a student of the word of God. And all these themes we're going to be talking about this morning. So think about this as your time where you're getting awakened and you're getting ready to enter your training ground. But the question that we have this morning then is how? Okay, how can we better prepare ourselves to serve God, to be, a, to be a servant of God. How can we better prepare ourselves to live for him? How can we better prepare ourselves to accomplish our mission to seek and save the lost? Well, our training ground begins with this, a steady nourishment from the word of God. A steady nourishment from the word of God. Look what it says there in verse 6, that we are being trained in the words of faith and in the good doctrine. You say, well, how? What does this look like? This is a part of our training as Christians that's called preparation, which will lead to progression. We prepare ourselves and progress ourselves in the Word of God. You may say, how do we do that? Well, it's daily reading and meditation on the Word. It's daily reading and meditation on the Word of God. That we would actually read Scripture daily and we would meditate on it, not to be confused with vegetate. It's not, you know, you don't just take the Bible and you like hold it on your forehead and something happens. No, we're actually going to read it and, we're, and meditation has to be thinking actively about it. That those words of Scripture would be on our hearts. Now, if we're being honest this morning, some of us haven't read the Bible since last Sunday. Like when I read the scriptures to you, that's about the amount of scripture you got in your heart this week. Now, if you're a football player and you only eat on Sunday mornings for about, oh, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and you go out and try to work out all week, what will happen to a football player if they do that? They're striving and they're toiling so much, what happened? happen? You know what that's going to happen. They're going to collapse, okay? These people, part of their fitness is their nourishment, is what they're taking into their body. We as Christians have to be feasting on the word of God every day. Otherwise, we're malnourished, and I think we're not going to accomplish much. We have to come face-to-face with the Word of God every day. One of the things I'm reading right now uh, that I just love, that I'm kind of ate up with, is the book of Acts. I invite you to read that. You start out with Acts chapter 1, and you read about the power of God coming on his people. Jesus has, has gone. He's ascended to heaven. He says, I'm coming back, but I'm ascending to heaven now. He leaves this ragtag uh, band of 11 guys. You know, the 12th one had, had committed suicide in Judas. And he leaves this ragtag fisherman, tax collector guys that have a really strong belief in him and say, hey, you guys go save the world. <laughs> and guess what? The Holy Spirit comes. And Jesus had told them, oh, the counselor, the helper, the advocate will come and be with you. And he's with them, and you read chapter 2. And you see Peter just becomes a preacher, like overnight, you know, impetuous Peter. And now he's a preacher, and 3,000 people get saved at the end of chapter 2. And it says that the believers were coming together, and they they were praying, they were studying the word together, they were taking communion together. And and we see the church birth, and we get into chapter 3 and 4 and 5, and we see the power of God through it. And it, man, it's so encouraging to me, and it builds me up, and it's because I'm feasting on that word. I'm reading about the power of God and what God is doing in these ordinary people that have extraordinary faith. 
And that's part of the buildup. That's part of what we need to be doing in our daily reading and meditation on the Word. What does it say in Romans 10, 17? That faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Faith by comes, hearing, comes by hearing, hearing from the Word of God. God is living and active. God is a personal God, and when you read His Word, He will speak to you personally. You will have a conviction in your heart. In these personal encounters with God, God will not contradict himself, though. Sometimes I feel like we get a little, get a little loony sometimes. Uh, you know, we were reading the scripture, and we're like, man, you know, God told me to leap off a building in a single bound. And it's like, well, I don't know if that's scriptural, you know? I mean, it says, well, in, in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. I can jump off buildings in a single bound and not be hurt. And, well, that's not exactly the context of the Scripture. If you read the whole chapter, it's saying that you can do spiritual things for God. You could help win souls. You can help live for Christ. You can live a godly life through Christ who strengthens me, not leap tall buildings. And so, so I don't want this to be like a fanatical experience, but I'm telling you, when you're reading Scripture and in the Word of God, God will speak to you. God will speak to you. He's going to change your convictions about things. He's going to give you wisdom so that when you face circumstances in your life, you know the way that God wants you to go. He's going to be teaching you um, how to live, how to be a light for him. There's so many benefits from you reading and being a part of the Scripture of God. So don't don't get into pseudo-spirituality when you're doing this, but understand that God is a personal God, and then when you read his word, you will encounter him. You know, this nutrition is a part of training for athletes. When they go to training camp, they're on a special diet the whole time they're there. Some guys are trying to beef up. Some guys are trying to lose a little bit of weight. But their nutrients and their energy come from the food that they're taking. They feed the body and they feed the mind. And it should be the same for a Christian to be feeding on the holy word of God, to nourish ourselves with it. And it will provide us spiritual energy. It's always going to provide us wisdom and direction. Just like an athlete is dedicated to learning their playbook. So many times in training camp, they have these night sessions. So they're practicing all day. And then they go into a two and a half to three hour session at night with a playbook. And they're learning the plays. This is our playbook. The holy word of God. We have to be reading and we have to understand what the scriptures say. And when we do, it makes us more effective to accomplish the goal. It's going to help us win more games, which is more souls in the kingdom of God. And the thing is, this isn't a one-time deal. After these athletes get to training camp, it's an everyday deal. For the Christian, it's an everyday deal, 365 days a year. That we're not, we're not going to skip out here. We're not going to let ourselves go anemic here. We're going to be feasting on the Word of God every day. This isn't a seasonal choice. This isn't a lifestyle thing. We don't turn it on at Christmas and Easter. No, this is something that we live all, all year long. Because it's a lifestyle for us. Look what it, look what it says in Jeremiah 15, 16. The, Jeremiah was a prophet uh, calling God's people back to him. This is what he says. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. People that read the word and read the scriptures, they're full of the joy of God. And his scriptures are the light to their heart because it's feeding them. Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus had, had faced the temptations, the, the VBS, this was one of the themes for this week. Uh, Jesus responded to one of the temptations like this. He said, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In 1 Peter 2, 2, uh, Peter urges us, he says this, he says, like newborn infants, like newborn babies, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it, you may grow up into salvation. That you're not going to stay the same. You're going to mature and advance as a Christian. 
that you're going to look more like Christ every day. And you do that by longing for the pure spiritual milk of the word. So daily reading and meditation on the word, non-negotiable. That's where our training ground begins. But there's a second part to it too, and, and that is that we learn the scriptures from mature leaders in groups and in classes. Is that we learn the scriptures from mature leaders in groups and in classes. Just like players on the field, what do they have? They have coaches, right? If you look at some of the coaching staffs on these NFL teams, it's amazing. They'll get that roster down to like 56 players before they go into regular season. They have like 76 coaches. I mean, they have like a, a, a coach over fitness and then assistant coach of fitness and an assistant to the assistant coach of fitness and then an intern of fitness. That's just one category. I mean, they've got a head coach and an assistant coach, and then they've got an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator and special teams, running backs coach, linebackers coach, offensive line, defensive line. I mean, you, you get it, right? Receivers, you know, running backs, and, and then they've got a drills coach, a nutrition coach. I mean, they've got coaches everywhere. It's the same way in the church. We've got coaches and part of our spiritual development is by sitting under the teaching of a coach so that they can help us mature and help us to understand maybe some things we don't understand about Scripture. It's part of growing up in Christ-likeness and to be made mature. And we have, we have uh, several opportunities for that here at Oakwood through small groups and through classes. Um, this process we call discipleship which is you growing and maturing in Christ. Uh, the Bible talks about sanctification. And sanctification is the process of you and I becoming more like Christ Jesus. That This is what Jesus' disciples went through, right? They went through a process with Jesus, and then they were the ones that were, okay, now you got to teach this others. That what, what Jesus has given to you, what he's put into your heart, now you take that and you teach others. Not going to sit on it forever. Not going to just be in our Sunday school class for 40 years and and, you know, keep consuming, keep consuming, or keep learning, we keep learning, that's great. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? One of the things we have this, this fall that we're starting up in just a few weeks is called a Discipleship University. It's going to meet on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7.30. It's going to kick off Wednesday night, um, August 22nd. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to do just that. For you to be coached in the faith. We've got several different classes on several different areas of discipleship. And we invite you uh, to be a part of that. There will be more information on that. We'll talk about it uh, next week and the next couple weeks that's going to lead us into, that, into uh, August 22nd. But we are called by God to be students of the Word. And we do this personally and we do it daily because we need a steady nourishment from the Word of God. The second thing that we need is we need to pursue and train in a godly lifestyle through the Spirit. We need to train in the godly lifestyle through the Spirit. It talks about this in verses 7 through 9. Look what it says there in verse 7. It talks about to train yourself, rather train yourself in godliness. Training is making it happen. When they go to training camp, they don't just learn it. They actually do it. They say, we want you to put your hands in this position and to get your feet in this position, and we want you to do this. But then they don't just say, so go do that. You know, when the season starts, they do what? They practice it, right? They actually put their, their hands there and they say, okay, we get up under somebody's pads here. We're going we're gonna to push them off. You know, we're going to do all of this, this stuff. And the training is what's making it happen. It's not just a learning. It's an actual doing. It's not just a hearing. It's an applying. Same thing we're called to do in the Christian life. That we need to put some things into practice. Practice some spiritual exercises. When was the last time you did an exercise in your faith? Faith, it says in Hebrews 11, 1, is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. 
If you have an authentic faith in God, then you believe God is who he says he is and that he'll do all he has promised to do. When was the last time you exercised faith in God? One of the easiest illustrations I could think of is in the area of finances. You know, oh yeah, we got faith that God's going to save us and Jesus is going to take us to heaven and, and all those things, but I do not have faith that God will provide for me if I give to him what he's asked of me. If I give a tithe of my finances regularly, 10%, I'm not sure I have faith that God will make the 90% make it work. But that 90% is going to go farther than the 100% if I kept it all for myself. And it's one of those things that, you know, it's one of those areas that we're called to trust God in. We're called to exercise our faith and believe, God, you're bigger than that. God, you are who you say you are. And you're going to do all you've promised to do. And if you say in the word of Scripture that I'm not to be anxious about anything, I'm not to worry about anything, I'm not to worry about what I'm supposed to eat or what I'm supposed to drink or what I'm supposed to wear, it's Matthew chapter 6, then I'm going to trust you in that. I'm going to exercise my faith. I'm going to exercise my faith and believe that God could actually heal I'm going to exercise my faith and believe God is going to do what he says in Scripture he's going to do. And I'm going to believe it and I'm going to trust in that and exercise in your faith. Well, what about another area? An exercise in love. To love those who are unlovely. To love someone that drives you crazy in the church. To love people that are outside the church that need to feel accepted and loved by God. When was the last time you took the opportunity to love someone? And you exercised that characteristic of a Christian. What about an exercise in obedience? You know what it says in Scripture that you should do. And yet we choose not to do it. What if we actually exercise in obedience? We actually do what Scripture tells us to do. We don't just listen to it. We don't just come to church on Sunday and be like, rah, rah, yes, yes. But I'm never going to read my Bible. But yes, we should. But oh no, I'm not going to. You know, yes, I know we're called in, in the Great Commission to go into all the world and make disciples, and I'm supposed to be sharing my faith, but I'm not going to. What if we didn't exercise in obedience? We actually do what Scripture has commanded us to do. What if we had an exercise in sacrifice, a sacrifice of your time, sacrifice of, of, of your resources? What if you had an, when was the last time you had an exercise in sacrificing something? Did you actually give something up? What about, what about an exercise in service? And using your, your, your talents and your abilities and your time to serve the Lord, to serve the ministries that touch so many lives. We're going to talk about that more next week. See, in training camps, they do these drills and they do these practices because they're honing their skills for usefulness. They don't just practice the whole season. That's what I feel like we do as Christians sometimes. We come to church and we practice and we practice and we practice and we practice and that's it. We don't ever get in the game, you know, we're coming to practice again, going to another Bible study, you know, we're going to another class. It's like, but what are you actually doing with what God is preparing you for? You're honing your skills, yes, you're learning the Word of God, yes, but we're also called to put that into practice. You're being instructed, but are you applying what you're being instructed to do? In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Because when we can do that, we know that we're following Christ. When we do that, we know that we are having growth, spiritual growth and discipleship and sanctification in Christ Jesus. Sometimes doing Bible reading every day and devotions, it's going to take sacrifice. 
Because for some of you, you have your whole day so full that you can't even imagine, wow, I, just, I don't know if I've got five or ten minutes to read the scripture, but I'm here to tell you you do. You make time for stuff that if you, you know, held on to, you know, growing your relationship with God or this, you'd be like, oh, wow, this is so much more important than this. But you're going to have to sacrifice for it. You're going to have to make a decision to go forward with it. Because here's the truth this morning, okay? We sacrifice some things that we love for something we love more. We're going to sacrifice some things that we love for something that we love more. And sometimes putting yourself out there a little bit by joining a group of Christians that are studying something and praying for each other, joining that small group fellowship, that's the kind of discipleship you need in your life. You need the, the coach. You need the teammates to help you advance. Sometimes you need to be sitting under a, a teacher. Someone who is a little bit ahead of you in the faith. And not that there's some master, but they're just ahead of you in the faith. They've been a Christian longer. They've studied more. And allow them to pour into your heart and into your life. But we've got to make it a priority. And it may require sacrifice. But here's the challenge for you this morning. I want you to consider this. What do you need to do to take your next step toward following Jesus? What could you do even today? And if not today, for sure by tomorrow morning by 8 a.m., what's something you can do that would draw yourself closer to Jesus? What's some action step that you could do that would grow you in faith and grow you in adoration and love for your Savior? So many times I think when we're about to make a commitment, we gauge our commitments through, you know, evidence about, well, I got to spend this time and I'm going to have to spend this money. I'm going to have to spend this calendar, you know, my future planning. I got to, you know, yeah, it's going to take sacrifice. For many of you, it means the shift in your priorities from where it's been before to where it needs to be now. But I'm here to tell you, we have to take serious the mission of Jesus Christ. Because if he returns today, my question for you is, are you ready? And do you have all of your family ready? all of your friends, all the people you, you work with, are they ready? I mean, if Jesus returned today and that's it, are they ready? And maybe the deeper question is this, are you ready? Do you feel like you're ready for heaven? Do you feel like you are maybe ready this morning to take that next step to following Jesus and to actually grow in him and trust in him and exercise your faith? Put some of those things into practice. Because I want to challenge you. Sacrifice maybe some things that you love for something that you love.